Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. What's old is new again. Turns out that Dave Nonis really did have to worry about the final year of David Clarkson's contract. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a play on you turning 32 and that being like the new 24. No, nothing feels new about me. Absolutely nothing. I turned 32 on Wednesday and then had that ball hockey tournament on the weekend. And it's not even that my legs are sore right now. I just don't feel them. Are you the oldest player ever to play ball hockey? If you don't count the goalie, I was the oldest player on my team. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we were we're prepping for the show and um, we're kind of listing off things that have happened and we're talking, we're like, oh, the Truba contract, the the Neil Lucic trade, and then Brad goes, uh, yeah, Clarkson's a Leaf again, and I said, uh, come again? Because <laughs> apparently Ryan hasn't looked at his phone in three hours. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I came home from work, and I, I took a nap and ate and was just doing things around the house and didn't really have a chance to, to get on the old Twitter. And apparently David Clarkson is a, a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, once again. Yep, for uh, David Clarkson and a fourth round pick for Garrett Sparks. So if you saw the team that was going to help Vegas with their cap situation be another team with massive cap problems and taking on David Clarkson's cap actually helped their cap situation, man, I am sick of hockey trades. I want NBA trades where it's just superstar for superstar or superstar for like seven active players why does every hockey trade have to be like, well, there's this many dollars going in and this out, and then we got this guy's LTIR'd, and then uh, this guy, and somehow Toronto taking on David Clarkson's contract, but moving Garrett Sparks out helps their cap situation. Hockey trades suck. Money. NBA teams can afford those mega dollars. Toronto isn't paying a single penny. For David Clarkson, because he's LTIR'd and his contract was insured. No, his contract. Uh, was it insured? Insured. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he's not paying. They're not paying a single dollar. Or if they are, it doesn't matter. They, it's MLSC. What are they going to care? Yeah. Um, they're paying Nathan Horton, too. Let's not forget. <laughs> that Which was uninsured. There's just not enough. Like, look at the Ottawa Senators. They're trying to essentially accrue the largest ghost cap in the world. Fewest dollars out, but most, like, you know, purported dollars spent. It's not... It's a whole different world. Basketball is immensely more popular and has a insane amount of money more than hockey does. The owners, they have, a, what is his name, Steve Ballmer? Yep. He could buy, he's legitimately wealthy enough to buy pretty much every NBA team at their current valuation. That's how wealthy NBA owners are. And meanwhile, hockey has Eugene Melnick. <laughs> Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. We actually had a, a, a long hiatus, so we apologize for that. I'm yeah, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. We, uh, yeah, we. it was a long week. What was Brad, it, nine days without an episode? Yeah, Brad had a ball hockey tournament. Um, in Montreal. In Lovely Montreal. people down there. Montreal. Uh, I was, I had a week. I was just, that was too much for me. I didn't want to do all that. I had intense stomach pain. Like, really bad. And I was hoping it was my appendix. And so I went to the hospital. I said, please take my appendix. And instead, they just took my blood a bunch of times, which was very annoying. And turns out, if you say, stay back, witch, it doesn't stop them from taking your blood. And they took my blood. And they said, we don't know what's hurting you. And I said, you sure it's not my appendix? They're like, we're positive. And they sent me home. 
It was useless. So you went to the hospital. So you basically had what was accomplished at the hospital could have been accomplished by just a herd of mosquitoes. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Although I would have... We'll see which one we prefer. And then at the hospital, I had like no signal because apparently hospitals aren't meant for like outward communication. And I'm trying to see, like we're trying to do like podcast business. And we're like buying tickets for the home opener. I was like, I don't know if this is right. I haven't slept. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trusting that Evan did it right. Yeah, we, we have a lot of tickets for the home opener now. And we'll be giving away two of them. Yeah. Yeah, we oh yeah, there's a lot this year. Lower bowl again because we like to spoil our listeners. We're fancy. We're uh, fancy now. While we're chatting about that, uh, yeah, home opener. We have our meetup. We're going to put out like an official announcement with a graphic and everything. But uh, for you guys who are listening to this, and I know a lot of you have been clamoring for this episode, home opener. The meetup is going to be uh, before the game on the Sunday, October sixth, I believe it is. And it's going to be at Founders Brewing in Detroit again, very close to the Little Caesars Arena. Uh, we're going to have this space from noon onwards. So Noon uh, for a 7 o'clock game? Oh, boy. I'm not going to remember my name by the end of that say, game. We say noon or one? I can't remember. I f- well, if the g- I feel like there's like red carpet stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably be out of the meetup by like... Five-ish yeah. for a 7 o'clock game. Maybe 5.30 if the S- turnout's good. So we'll say show up. For, we'll say it starts at 1.00. We'll go from there. Give us some setup time and yeah. get a few in us. Yeah, so we've partnered with Founders Brewing. Um, we're going to work with them, and they we went there last time, and it was fantastic. Uh, awesome beer, great venue, great space. Um, they gave us a room this time. Yeah. Uh, the doors will be open, so you guys can filter in and out between the main area and the rest of uh, the, the bar restaurant. And then um, around the time of the game, we'll all walk over together for whoever's there. Uh, you don't have to stop in the whole time if you just want to pop and say hi. We'll bring shirts. We'll bring swag. We'll bring Evan. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, no. This is going to be a truly monumental occasion, okay? Yes. Not only... Okay. This is gonna might be the funniest statement I've ever made on this podcast to myself. This is going to be a monumental occasion for the listeners because Evan will be there. This is legitimately going to be the day... We meet Evan's girlfriend, <laughs> who he's been dating for like two years. We've never met her. People think that's a joke. We, I don't know what she looks like. No, not once have we met her. The only and the other day did I find out accidentally where Evan works. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just an enigma to you guys. We actually don't know where or what he is at any given point. Yeah, he shows up to the things we ask him to. He's a good dude. We have a lot of fun with him, but he, you don't know anything about him. <laughs> goes he uh, could be dexter for all we know oh that makes a lot of sense that would that's like a high on my list of theories so yeah we were, we were deciding who's coming and uh, i was like oh partners are coming and brad's like yeah crystal will probably make it like she'll be very pregnant then but she's been less more pregnant to, for other games that we've gone to and i was like yeah mel wants to go again and evan's like oh yeah cat wants to come and we said come again <laughs> what <laughs> david clarkson plays for who now <laughs> Yeah, so you guys can meet Evan. You can meet uh, Evan's better half. Um, we're hoping to uh, get some of the Aussies over again. Another Aussie contingent, because that was pretty cool last yeah, we time. Yeah, we got to beat our demographic, because what did we have? We had um, James from Australia, um, Andy, and I forget his friend's name, from Tasmania. We had Nicole from Vancouver. We had, what other states did we have? We had Maryland, Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, some unfortunate souls from Ohio. Yeah, like I want to see, like I want to get all those people back and then expand. Make yeah, this yeah. truly an international <laughs> event. Honestly, that's We need a European is. this time. That's what we need. Oh, we honestly, there's, uh, so our most listened to countries, uh, obviously the States is first, Canada next, and then I believe it's Sweden and then the UK. 
Interesting. We're due between those two. I know it's very hard to to just travel to. Does James count as UK? Because he's UK via Australia, right? Yeah, he counts as an Aussie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Home opener, the meetup is happening no matter what. Uh, Founders Brewing, we'll see you all there. There'll be a ton of stuff to win, do, meet, shake, drink. We were, we were nobody's last year and had over 50 people show up. I think it's going to be a true party this year. Yeah. I want you guys to fill that bar. Founders is great. And they're like, we're, they're just kind of like, yeah, we've never done anything like this before. I want you guys to blow them out of the water. We don't, we're not just the biggest Red Wings podcast for no reason. We want you to show up. If even if you don't have tickets to the game, come on down. Oh, if you don't have tickets to the game, this is the best thing you could be doing short of going to the game. 100%. What a great way to spend that. Like, it, it's honestly a party. It's a blast. And honestly, we, we all know we're going to end up somewhere after the game. Yes. Uh, we usually we usually go back. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, that's that. There's actually hockey news. Uh, we'll start off with some Red Wings news. Um, not anything crazy substantial, but the Red Wings did uh, re-sign Joe Hicketts to a two-year contract. The Steve Eisenman patented two-year contract. Players signed for the Detroit Red Wings past two years. Nobody. We're just turning the team over. It's Larkin to Kaiser, and we're building around that. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about Joe Hicketts. Uh, it doesn't mean anything different about his place in the, the pipeline. Should it? Yeah, I maintain that I would much rather have a Joe Hicketts as opposed to a Trevor Daly or a Madison Bowie or what have you. But it's the reality is there's just too much in front of him. He'll likely be an AHLer, emergency call-up slash uh, call-up guy. I'm not sure his waiver status, but I do believe it'll be a little bit more difficult to move him up and down this year. Um, but that's that's what Joe Hans to to kind of be a Brian Lashoff type if if the pipeline ever thins out. And I think that's what they had in mind because after this year, you have Green, Erickson, Daly coming off the books. Knowing Steve Eisenman, I think Mike Green's the only one of those liable to be re-signed Maybe. I doubt it. Maybe, yeah. Like, Health depending. Yeah. So that's a great way for Joe Higgins to step into this lineup as a, you know, fine enough third pairing guy. Though kind of what we were talking about Madison Bowie maybe being right now. So that that's a, it's nice for Joe Hicketts. Um Additionally, on this first night, I found that out after I kind of like searched it up. Uh, but the Red Wings hired from uh, the Harvard men's hockey program, their assistant coach, um, Rob Rassi, uh, and he's joining the team as a scout. So that's Steve Eisman replenishing the, the scouting team. Um, and that's not the only Harvard connection that Detroit has. There's actually a, quite a few hires and pieces from um, from Harvard. I don't know if anyone's picked up on this. Have they hired Ryan Fitzpatrick yet? Oh, he was from Harvard. Zito. Um, Kuffner. No, Kuffner was Princeton. Or Stanford. He was in, He was one of the Ivy League schools. Yeah. I think he was Princeton, now that I'm thinking about it. Ryan, good old hockey. Princeton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and Rassi, uh, Rassi is from the Detroit area. He's from uh, Shelby Township, so that's actually really good. It makes sense, that connection. Don't, coming back. don't make a Michigan per 60 <laughs> joke. Don't make a Michigan <laughs> per 60 joke. Hey, hey, man, he got out and he went to Harvard. I'm fine. With, I'm fine with that. Uh, so in that, for those of you who are big believers in the, you know, proverbial hashtag Iser plan, uh, this is him fulfilling his plan. Uh, Iserman's draft was obviously the first major move that he was able to uh, be a part of as the, in the Red Wings organization, but it wasn't exactly his show because drafts take literally two years to plan. Uh, so now this is him filling out his vision of the team and, and management. 
that's it on the Red Wings front. Uh, uh, one other thing I want to talk about. Hashtag off-season content. No, <laughs> no, no, this is good because uh, Dom uh, on The Athletic put out that. Oh, no. Yeah, no, yeah, yes, no, yes, no, yes. No, no, oh, Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Like, we knew it was bad. We knew it was bad. And the but... result still, you can't walk away from, like, w- the result of that list and say, oh, I'm surprised. But it still packed a punch. It hurt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dom, Dom Luchician uh, put out an article which was basically the quality, an objective measure of the quality of the contracts that each team owns in its totality. So he's been putting out this great series. So for those of you who are, have memberships... Uh, or are on the fence about it, uh, really recommend you read this. Uh, it's, it was a great series on the best contracts in the league by value and like uh, likelihood of uh, ach- overachieving the value of the contract. The worst, so the opposite end. Uh, fun fact, he originally had abdicators and honorable mention, but messed up something in the so stats. I, so it was the second worst. So he did his top 10 worst contracts in the league. Ablocator was an honorable mention, but he put Ablocator only had three years left. Yeah. It was four. And he said that would have bumped Ablocator up to the second worst contract in the NHL. So there you go, guys. That's a fun little piece of information. Yep, and uh, then he he went on to grade every team's contract efficient objective. Yeah, um, and it's you know like any other analytical model out there, it doesn't pretend to be perfect, and he says that, but it's a good way just to get broad strokes view of what teams are doing. For example, Better than the eye test. Yeah, Carolina best in the league, and that makes sense. You look at this uh, the contract they have Sebastian Aho at the uh, Teravine and Niederreiter. Their defensive core is locked in for nobody's making more than five point eight million dollars a year, and that includes Brett Pesci, Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Justin Falk. And most of those guys have term left. Yeah, so that that's excellent. And the worst uh, team in the league, and pretty much. Um, it was like a. I, I read this and it was like a flashback to Eisman's press conference. Is the Detroit Red Wings, because the the Eisman has a lot to work out of. The this is a big, big hole. Um, this is the reason why Eisman during his press conference said this is going to take time. It can't be fast. There's no way to do this quickly, and that's because the Red Wings, by this measure, have four contracts that have positive value relative to their cap hit, hit in length. And literally every other contract on their active roster is negative. Now, if now for his article here, he did not include entry level contracts. Yeah, these don't include ELCs because obviously those are going to be very skewed based on the level of player. So always favorable let's for play the a team. Fun game out of everybody who's not on an ELC on the Red Wings, four guys have positive value <laughs> on it. I'm gonna pause for five seconds here. Try and think of who those four players are. Do, 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 And you are right. It is Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, and Andreas Athanasiu. Congratulations. Everybody else on the team carries a negative value. Okay. There's your happy thoughts for the day. So, uh, Brad, off the top of your head, the two worst value in terms of, he, he measures by uh, surplus value. So, yeah which is basically, it can be positive or negative, pretty much how much more value these guys are going to give you in terms of on-ice production. Okay, so we know Justin Applicator's last. Okay, and who's second last? Now, here's where it gets bad, because I actually have to think about this, because there's a few candidates. Okay, who are you Who are you thinking here? I'm thinking Helm, DeKaiser, Nielsen. I don't think Erickson or Daly would qualify, because they don't have much term left. I'm going to go with Helm. 
You you were right in saying Helm, DeKaiser, and Nielsen are the next three lowest uh, behind Applicator, obviously, who has the lowest surplus value. Um, it is actually Nielsen. Okay. So Nielsen has a, a surplus value of negative $10.5 million over the course of his contract. Oh, no. Uh, right behind is Danny DeKaiser at negative $7.9 million, and then Darren Helm at negative seven. Guess oh. how much the surplus value is on Justin Applicator's contract, knowing that Franz Nielsen's I, is $10.5 million. I've read this article. I looked at these numbers. I don't remember the ex- exacts, but I really don't want you to remind me. <laughs> Just take a shot. Uh, okay, so if Nielsen's negative... 10? 10 and a half. Applicator's got to be over 14 at least. Yeah, how much over? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> just just pick a number. What's coming to your mind? Wouldn't it be poetic if it was 19? <laughs> it would be very funny if it was 19. And funny enough, it actually is negative 26.6 million dollars oh, no. in surplus value. Oh, no. <laughs> Over the course of the contract. So that's... um... So if you want to put this in layman's terms, the Red Wings are literally just pissing away $27 million of cap space value. It's it's in two directions because they're paying him the money, but he's not producing at even a replacement level clip. And thus, they by all rights, he should be paying them. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and people, <laughs> is that an option? I'd love to play for the Red Wings. And again, for anybody who doesn't follow analytics, replacement level means they literally call up any idiot from Grand Rapids to fill that spot, and he would do an equivalent to better job. Now, this isn't, and I don't mean first line center from Grand Rapids. I mean you can pick the second line winger from Grand Rapids, and it would be the same or better results. And this is the, the the point of this isn't to kind of remind you guys and say, oh, this sucks. Like we're going to bash on Holland some more. It's kind of what we're doing. It's a little bit of an expose into, you know, the the smaller details of what people were frustrated with uh, with Ken Holland. I know you can pull out some nicer trades or moves that he made or RFA deals that he re- like those four contracts that are surplus value, like positive are Ken Holland deals, obviously. Um, but this is kind of like the highlighted part of what really is locking Steve Eisenman down. So when Steve Eisenman calls for patience, please, folks, remember the two the the two worst contracts on this team are Justin Ablicators and Franz Nielsen's, and those aren't going to be up until 2021 and then 2022. This will take time. Beyond that, this is a great segue into what's happening in the rest of the league, and I want to start with something that's kind of related. Uh, Nashville signed Colton Sissons to a seven-year, $20 million contract. Two point what on that one then? Uh, two point eight, I believe. Okay. Yeah, two two point eight five or something like that. Um, Nashville loves locking down those third line players for long term at actually reasonable cap hits. So the, this is the thing: the cap hit is fine. The cap hit's fine, um, and he might even be, you know, playing to the level of he's twenty five right now, so he'll he'll be thirty two when that contract's done or something like that. Um, he might even play up to the value of that contract over the course of the contract. Here's the thing. If you're a GM signing a bottom six player to a seven or six plus year deal, you're betting that they're going to play at that value over the course of that contract, which is a hard bet because bottom six players are not exactly the paragons of consistency and, you know, lengthy careers. Uh, you're hoping that there are isn't some kind of catastrophic injury. And even if they they stay at that level and it ends up being a good deal for you, you have to hope at no point during 
the course of that contract, you need to clear up some cap space to acquire a piece that actually makes a big impact on your team. There's a team that this reminds me of. Uh, Who is it? The Detroit Red Wings. It's not that Luke Glendening is a bad player and isn't helpful to this team. It's not that Darren Helm is absolutely torching or sinking this team every single game. I won't continue into just an applicator. That's a whole different story. It's an extreme example. It's that when you are a GM, you want to have as much flexibility as possible. So when a Panarin comes uh, to the table uh, through free agency, or you have a Miko Rantanen come up through RFAs and you're, you weren't expecting him to be that valuable, or all of a sudden you have to sign Sebastian Ajo, or you have a Mitch Marner to sign, you cannot operate having your hands tied by these three or four or five or six bottom six guys who all have deals that are locked in for term uh, with no movement clauses and for like small to medium chunks of money it adds up don't give depth players term that's it that's it you can overpay them if you need on a one or a two-year deal because you know what your cap outlook your cap outlook is roughly one to two years in advance most of the time so you can do that but again circling back to a term that came up a few minutes ago replacement level you can get guys who can do adequate jobs in the bottom part of your lineup at league minimum contracts or ELCs. Capitalize on those. Now, can your team survive with your entire bottom six on ELCs and and league minimums? No, absolutely not. But if you wanted to give a Luke Lindenning a two-year contract at 2.6 million instead of a four-year at 1.8, that's understandable. That's something you do to fill out that bottom six. But again, don't give depth players term um it goes people are saying well he signed Callie Yarncroft to that monster deal and it was like however many years times two million yeah I wouldn't even see a Callie Yarncroft's a bottom six player though I he, think he's got upside yeah, I think he has like middle six like he's a, a middle six player with a lot of offensive upside and that's one that sure has paid off but at the same time it's like if if in seven years you know we're still doing this podcast and people are listening and a, a diehard Colton Sissons fan says, oh you know he outperformed he outpaced all players making this amount of money by like five to ten points per year. Yeah, great. And how many times has Nashville had to shed salary or make a difficult decision because all of a sudden they have to resign you know the Roman Yossi who's up for a deal in a year or, or what have you. It's not the only way to run a team. But boy, are there a lot of teams hampered by these contracts. Look at Vancouver. They're paying they were paying what, twelve million dollars for a fourth line? And they have Detroit. To, Detroit. Funny enough. <laughs> Vancouver has to pay Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser and how are they with what money anymore? The thing when you look when you actually look through the league, every single team has bad contracts. Whether it's one, two, three, every team has bad contracts. Tampa Toronto, your cup champion, St. Louis, they all have one or two. Like Alex Steen's making something like $6 million and St. Louis won a cup. Uh You can survive having bad contracts. It's the number of bad contracts you have. It's the death by a thousand cuts. Is Darren Helm by himself making 3.8 that egregious per year? No. It is Abdul K- okay. Abdul Kader is the extreme, but is Glenn Denny making 1.8 per year bad? No, that's probably good value actually. Uh, is Franz Nielsen making five and a half killing you? No, it's the fact that you have all of them. It's death by a thousand cuts. Which is why when there's like that one-off signing for like a Trevor Daly or a Mike Green, and then you see like, I always get like, we always hear it 
if we express any negativity for those contracts, they're like, well, it's just a few years, just a couple of years. Like, what's one contract going to do? It's no, it's part of the bigger picture. It's, it's these broad strokes that are being painted. And usually GMs who hand out those deals make a habit of it. It's so funny because Jim Rutherford had brought, you know, Pittsburgh to back-to-back cups. So, like, how much complaining can you really do? But also look at, like, Crosby and Malkin's, like, the tail end of their primes is not being utilized properly. Oh, it's getting ruined. You're yeah. giving Brandon Tanev six years, Jack Johnson five years. You're trading Tanner Pearson for Eric Branson. Pittsburgh's, they'll always be a contender because Crosby and Malkin can steal series by themselves if they have to. Yeah. Uh, if everything goes right. So as long as Crosby and Malkin are firing, Pittsburgh's in it. But Pittsburgh should be, again, I stand by. You have Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby on your team. You should win the cup every year. You should win the cup for as long as as many times as you have a kick at the can, unless you screw up the rest of the roster that badly. And they have. Now, because of those players, they'll always be good. But you watch in a few two or three years when Crosby and Malkin start to drop off, Pittsburgh will be a basement feeder. They won't just be bad. They will be in a worse position than Detroit is currently because they'll still have Jack Johnson on the books. They'll still have Brandon Tanev on the books. Jim Rutherford, if he's at the helm, will probably sign more of these deals trying to grasp at straws that just aren't there, even though, again, these are replacement-level players. Uh, Let's actually talk about another signing that's kind of relevant to Detroit, Um, and that was the uh, extension of Jacob Truba with the New York Rangers. A Let me pull up the specifics here. A seven-year deal, $56 million. That is an $8 million per year cap hit for Jacob Truba. Okay, in-depth analysis. That's bad. Your turn. All right, here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to qualify. Jacob Truba is a a little bit of a hot topic for for across the league, but especially for Red Wings fans. He's uh, from Michigan, from the area. Uh, It was long expected or wanted or rumored that he wanted to come back to Detroit. Uh, Obviously, it's not going to happen now. A lot of fans are disappointed. Um, There's a lot of fans who didn't want him back. There were a few things that came out in the last couple of years about Truba's play, which has kind of plateaued. And then if you look by the numbers, there's. I know it's not all about analytics and like what the the, the deep set numbers show us, because yeah, Jacob Truba is definitely a better defenseman than Philip Ronick right now. But they, is he though? But it wasn't that far off if you look at their kind of production. If you look at their analytics, Hronik was the better defenseman this year. So if you're acquiring a uh, right-handed defenseman who is going to play on your top pair and do reasonably well, or at the very least be a very, very strong second pairing defenseman who's playing on your top pair, who's 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, your team's not going to get worse for that. But I think $8 million is an overpay. Not an overpay that will sink New York. It, you'll never see that contract on the you know worst contracts in the league list. It's by no means that. And I do still maintain that the defensive market is wonky. They come at a premium a lot of the time, unless you're trading PK Subban, I suppose. Um, that it's it's in the range of what people expected Jacob Truba to be getting. I had him at like what seven point seven five or something. So he got his money, and New York decided to shell out the money for him. But I really, really, really think that. Detroit did not miss out on anything by not paying $8 million a year for Jacob Truba. No. New York's in a way better cap situation long-term than the Red Wings. They had a bit more flexibility, so they could afford to overpay a Jacob Truba. So it's not the worst thing in the world that they did that. But here's the thing. 
He's only had one season north of 50 points. This was the past season. The season in which he got power play minutes simply because Dustin Bufflin got injured. And he was on a power play that featured, well, just look at Winnipeg's roster and I don't need to explain that. Right. So is he going to be a consistent 50-point scorer? Maybe, but I wouldn't met I wouldn't bet eight million dollars on it. Is he a fine defensive player? Yeah, but he's not as good as a defensive defenseman as people give him credit for. The underlying no, numbers really back it up, and that's a part of his play that scares me. Yeah, he's he's not bad defensively. I'm, I'm not going to say that he's good defensively, but he's not an elite shutdown defender. Now, mind you, he's 25 defenseman. Generally, the the learning curve tends to be slower. So, is there room for improvement defensively with him? Yeah, I I could hear that argument. I think it'll be minimal, but I could hear that argument. And again, but. You always, you always remember moments, right? That's how you define a player. And sometimes everybody remembers it. Sometimes nobody remembers it. You could arguably state that one of the main reasons St. Louis has a cup right now is because of Jacob Truba. When I think it was game five in Winnipeg, when it was tied with 30 seconds left, Truba made an absolutely boneheaded decision to try and freeze the puck with 30 seconds left in the game. Instead of just clearing it out, dumping it out, trying to make a play, immediately turns it over. St. Louis scores a couple seconds left, takes a 3-2 series lead. That That's the type of stuff that defines a player. So if he has a couple moments like that in New York, if that becomes a somewhat regular occurrence, we'll call it Brendan Smith syndrome. Jake Gardner ailment. Yeah, then this is going to be a real bad contract real fast. Fortunately for New York, I don't think this is the regular for Truba. But admittedly, when I was watching Winnipeg, uh, Truba was not the guy I was keeping a close eye on. So who knows? It's it's a risky contract, I guess, is my long way of getting there. It is a risky contract. And there. Uh, don't be surprised if, you know, if we're looking at a surplus value chart in five years and he's coming in the lower end of it. But that's that's the kind of shot you do have to take if you're a team that's uh, trying to come out, not only come out of a rebuild, but come out of a rebuild swinging as a contender. You know, you just land a Panarin. You want to really round out that team and give yourself the best chance possible to win. Yeah, absolutely. In any case. Um, and do you know who might be an $8 million defenseman in a few years? Philip Hronick. Yeah. So uh, that that's uh, that was a contract that came out where I was like, yeah, that's an overpay from someone. And I'm Detroit has a lot to worry about right now in terms of cap. So, And let's not forget, seven years is a long time. From Detroit's standpoint, who's going to be on that roster in seven years? Well, probably Mo Sider, Dennis Jalowski, Philip Ronick, hopefully Gustav Lindstrom, hopefully Jared McIsaac, hopefully Antti Tuomisto. Then you have a bunch of other prospects coming through. Maybe Hickett steps up. I assume there'll be a free agent signing along the way. Along the way. Those guys are going to need contracts and money. And uh, yeah. Tr- and Justin Advocator will just be hitting the halfway mark of his contract by then. <laughs> uh, that wasn't even the biggest deal. We had nothing we've talked about so far has been the biggest deal. Milan Lucic got traded. Proving anything is possible. Ken Holland's the hero in Edmonton right now. My first thought was, okay, Ken Holland, now you can trade a terrible contract. But All what, right. What did he get in return for a terrible contract? Another terrible contract. That's at least has the possibility. James Neal with Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins or McDavid. Yeah, there there is possible reclamation there. I wouldn't bet on it, but there's 
possible reclamation. Milan Lucic, by all objective measures, is one of the worst players in the NHL with the worst contract in the NHL. So, if you have man, that you take literally anybody in the NHL in return to get rid of Milan Lucic's contract. Literally, Milan Lucic one for one for anybody. You win that trade. It was oh man, what was the actual deal? Because it it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was Calgary. it was Milan Lucic and a conditional third for James Neal. The condition being if James Neal scores twenty one or more goals and outscores Lucic by ten plus goals, Calgary gets that third. So if there's ten that, or fewer goals, ten or fewer goals, yeah. Which I I would almost say is a. Decent possibility. So the Calgary's probably getting a third. Um, uh, and Edmonton also retained 12.5%, so 750000 on uh, Milan Lucic's contract. Calgary, what are you even thinking there? Well, what's the point? Okay, James Neal, yeah, had a bad year. He's on a bad contract. You don't need... Why are you taking on Milan? A third-round pick maybe is not worth taking on Milan Lucic. It's just not... That the, is an awful, awful contract. The only contract in the NHL worse than Justin Abdelkader's. Um, they're honoring the no move clause on why contract. It, apparently, not that anybody would take it, but who cares? Apparently, it's common with these kinds of deals. That's stupid. It's very stupid. everything about that is stupid. Every team that's ever done that is stupid. Just blows my mind. It just absolutely blows. Me. What a. What a weird deal. No, James Neal's not bound to come back. By all rights, if a guy gets that much worse, he's probably not going to get better again. But you know what a great way to revive a scorer's career is? Put him with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. That's a great way to prop his dead body up to 20 goals a year. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty... This is how Abdelkader got this contract, because Pavel Datsuk used him as a backboard. That's it. So if Connor McDavid uses James Neal as a backboard, well, then Edmonton's giving up a third-round pick. I'll score... I I didn't even play... Four, I played defense when I played hockey, and I would score 11 goals a year playing with Connor McDavid early on drive. I'm side. reasonably confident that on McDavid's wing, I could pop 15 in the NHL. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not... What up is it's ugh. and James Neal's thirty two years old, so he's not young. He's not getting any younger. The the deal's gonna age, like that's gonna be a bad deal through and through. It's plain and simple. But you know what deals worse? Milan Lucic, crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, and this is why I hate hockey trades. We don't actually care about the players involved. We just can't believe either of these contracts were moved. I know hockey trades suck. This is a nothing trade. I know. But because of the contracts attached to it, it's a holy shit trade. I don't want this to turn into a whole, we need to get rid of the cap situation, though. I'm not no, interested we're not in getting rid of the cap. The hockey's still good. Hockey trades suck. The, uh, the NHL just has to learn. And they, the NHL is generally getting better at um, not handing out terrible deals. Now they're just trading them between each other. Jake Gardner still doesn't have a contract somehow. People are worried about his back. Um, he's holding out to see what happens with Toronto. What? <laughs> Where else are they creating cap space? Well, if they bridge Marner, three-year deal at like, what, $8 million They or something. still won't have cap space for Gardner. Yeah, they rob a bank or something. I don't know. How does this stuff work? They'll trade David Clarkson's they, contract the, away. The, the way to retain Gardner right now is to trade Marner. <laughs> Hold on. Wait. This could work. <laughs> trade Marner for four first-round picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved when the Columbus offer sheeting Marner rumors came up. Like, Columbus is just never going to draft again. No. Why would they? You get Mitch Marner. Uh, yeah, David Clarkson is now a Toronto Maple Leaf again. Yep. Uh, he has David Clarkson in a fourth for Garrett Sparks. So basically, 
Toronto traded their LTIR cap room for a fourth round pick. And also and, Garrett Sparks' cap room, which is going to help them retain Marner. I don't even think Garrett Sparks was counting against their cap because he was an AHL. No, he was their backup last year. Well, they've signed because they have other goalies now, don't they? Probably, but he was he was the guy last year. He was in the NHL. They so. have uh, Anderson and Hutchinson. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Sparks, yeah, yeah, yeah. remember, Larkin undressed him. Oh, no, no, I know. I'm very aware. Um, but by the end of the year, he was in the minors. Still, yeah, by the end of the year. But whatever. They have cap flexibility, contract flexibility now. So, And that's... Uh, that's a quite, that's honestly a busy week in, for an offseason in this league. That's a lot to have happened. Uh, Ron Francis was announced as the GM of Seattle. Yes. Have you seen Carolina recently? Good hockey team makes sense. Yeah. So here's the thing with Ron Francis. Uh, he gets a lot of flack because the team didn't make the, the playoffs in the four years he was there. He was a little bit apprehensive. He sometimes didn't pull the trigger and, and capitalize on his what he had in terms of, you know, Aho or, or Brett Pesci. Or, sorry, Aho's not the right thing to this say. This was all him. What did... No, no, but yeah. he, he signed those guys, but then there would be someone open on the market uh, or available via trade, and he never really pulled the trigger, and what, I think that was pissing off... Uh, was the Hamilton trade him? Mm, was, was the Calgary trade his? I literally don't remember. I can't remember either, so I'm going to hold off on talking about that. But he built a great team. Like, the Carolina that you're seeing now is Ron Francis's... That's his team. Yeah. Um, and you need patient, and he's a patient GM, and that's what you need with an expansion team because Vegas 2.0 isn't going to happen. No, at least not the same way. So um, that's a good hire for them. He has two years to build this, you know, organization and then team. Um, for a guy who maybe was too patient in the past and needs to just take his time, but hopefully has learned his lesson to uh, as to like when to pull the trigger and move on things. What better way than to walk in with a two-year buffer window before you actually have to play any hockey? So, yeah, I think that's a good pickup for them. I think it was the best available option, really, after you know Holland went off the market. And um, who else was it? McCrimmon. McCrimmon, right. That got uh, locked in by Vegas. So, good for Seattle. Uh, they're definitely going to be the walleye, right? Like all the, I don't like it. All their graphics, like their little word mark is kind of in the shape of like a walleye fin, I think. And they have, like, the salmon and teal colors, which are... Oh, colors haven't been announced. No, but it's going to be... Like, look at their... If it's not blue, some variation of blue and green, they're they're goofing. It's going to be, like, salmon or red and teal. Bet. That's gross. I bet, yeah. Salmon and teal, like, there's potential there, but... Ew. I heard that... Make it green and white. Like, go with... Just steal the Toronto St. Pat's jerseys. I heard that Dave Tippett vetoed... The Kraken. And he's gone now. Make he's it the Kraken. He's gone now. Make it the Kraken. Just make it the Kraken, man. Just someone please have fun in this league. God damn it. You didn't do Las Vegas Flamingos. Just do the Seattle Kraken. That's it. Have fun. Or, as everyone wants, and the joke has been beaten to death, but it's worth mentioning, the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. It's there. It's there in front of you, and I can't think of any other professional sports team with that name. If I ever run another men's league hockey team, which I never will, but if I do, we will be the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. Rain City Bitch Pigeons. That's actually what we're going to change this podcast name to. It's the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. If the Red Wings ever fold and we want to just keep talking, we'll be the Rain City Bitch Pigeon podcast. There we go. Yeah. The RCBP. That's not bad. The RCBP podcast. People people will be able to remember that. Uh, Any other quick hits before I guess we go to overtime? That's a... 
No, I can't feel my legs, and I'm very tired, so. You're sitting. I can't. doesn't mean I can feel them. Yeah, well, why does that matter right now? It doesn't. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, whose comments get read out on air guaranteed as our way of saying thank you. And thank you all for your patience uh, during this, uh, you know, extended hiatus. Not hiatus, but nine days away. Uh, Alex Zuko says, hey, guys, I read an opinion piece today posing the questions of how much Eisenman's early moves make sense. Philpula, Nemeth, uh, Hicketts, Kasky, etc. from a roster management standpoint without a corresponding trade. I, for one, don't think there's a lot to wonder about yet, as I think it's clear he's not going to rush into anything. But what do you guys think? Thanks in advance. As many darts as he can get. Yeah, you're... These moves aren't meant to um, ice a very competitive hockey team. It's filling out roster spots or taking a stab in the dark or throwing something at the wall to see what sticks. Maybe Hicketts takes another step. Maybe Kasky's something. Hopefully Nemeth is a good stopgap. That's all That's all he's hoping for here. He's not taking any big swings here. Stevie hasn't, like, outside of the cider pick, Stevie hasn't taken a big swing yet. No. You're pretty much at this point with the limited uh, movement and flexibility that you have. You're looking for market efficiencies that were secret to other people. He's hoping Nemeth turns around and becomes, like, a great, you know, top four or middle pair defenseman. Spoiler, he won't be. But maybe, again, as many darts as you can throw. And you protect yourself by giving him very little term. And that's it. Uh, Don Mitchell says, what's up, guys? Recovering from the hot-as-hell hockey tournament with the Omaha Pirates. Lost in the championship. Meh, it's sad, but Steve Eisman is still the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Red Wings-related question. We will, be seeing, uh, will we be seeing any more moves this offseason? Been pretty boring seeing every other team make bad signings and trades. Uh, I might see. You get, I wouldn't be shocked if a depth player gets traded for nothing. Just to free up a roster spot or whatever. There's been those points rumors floating around I okay have, they're not based in anything okay that nhl trade rumors twitter account is not a source it's, they've never been right unless they repeated something an actual source says right for the love of god people stop tweeting them to me yeah they are not legitimate they have fun it's fun to hypo like hypothesize but please do not come at me saying what do you think no it's not real Here's the thing. It's going to happen because he's dead. Because I went on that rant, it's absolutely going to happen. But remember, Ryan, a broken clock is right twice a day. Those are based in nothing. Quick thought experiment. What's that trade starting with? Zadina, at the very least, plus a couple other premier pieces. Yeah, yeah. I I think someone asked me that, and I said, how attached to Zadina are (laughs) you? And they're like, no way, give it for Zadina. I'm like, oh, you think that was one for one? (laughs) You're funny. It's going to be Zadina plus plus. Yep. And so, one of those uh, pluses my, is the first, and one of those pluses are going to hope it's Mantha or, or Lathan to see you. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> as much as I love Braden Point, where Detroit's at, it doesn't make any damned sense to do it. Uh, memorabilia question, which signed jersey would you buy first, Probert or Konstantinov? Konstantinov, I think, for sure. Oh, that's tough. I think I'd go Vladdy. Yeah, I pro- uh, yeah, I lean Vladdy. Uh, lastly, what's a big faux pas with wearing pro stock hockey equipment in beer league? Thanks again for a great episode. Cheers. That's a faux pas. I mean, wear what you want. I mean, yeah. you, guys might, you know, chirp you for it, but it's they're, they're if you like, like the gear. Wear the gear. There's two faux pas with gear in men's league hockey that I think are universal: no white gloves, no tinted visor. Other than that, wear whatever the hell you want. Who cares? I'm for white gloves, but yeah, don't wear a tinted visor. That makes you a loser. Um, and also, no team jerseys with your last name on them. Like, no Red Wings jersey with Crisco on the back. Like, and actually wearing it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not... 
honestly, like wear whatever you want. I'm not a big like actually even wear an NHL jersey and shinny. No, me either. It's, it's I'm fine with it if you do, but it's not my thing. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna wear old beer league jerseys and old practice jerseys because it's beer league. They're gonna get ruined. It's, Don't wear anything signed, I guess. But yeah, if pro hockey stock equipment's hockey equipment. Yeah, it's fantastic. Wear like it. it's good. Like I'm actually going to be doing a massive upgrade on my equipment in a month, so I'm going to have three brand new pieces of equipment at the same time and look like an idiot. Like I understand this, but it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, Eric Baker says, "Oh, hey there. Uh, considering the argument that Mr. Zadina should play in the NHL because he'll have more high-end players to get on the puck, could playing on the third line with Filpula, where most roster baiters place him, maybe not uh, be the best place for him? Let's say you have these two options to start the season: third line in the NHL with Filpula, uh, with Filpula at center, first line in the AHL with Valeno at center." I guess my argument here is that Valeno is better than Filpula, but which would you prefer? I think I would still want him playing with Flip because he would also get power play time, but could also see the benefit of Zadina playing a lot of minutes with a player that might be his center for a while to build that science word with him. Chemistry, that's the one. Uh, the other winger would matter a lot, but yeah, no, I'd rather him playing in the NHL with Filpula. Not necessarily for what he's going to do with Filpula, for as you alluded to. I would very much like a Heronic or a Green or a Larkin setting him up on the power play. Yeah, and uh, also remember that lines are by no means locked in. Injuries happen, and if for whatever reason the Larkin-Mantha-Bertuzzi line gets broken up, I would love to see um, Zidina up with Larkin. And for anybody who says, like, oh, he's just trying, like, that whole it's easier to play in the NHL thing than it is in the AHL because of the type of player he is, yada, yada, yada. Anybody who thinks he's just pandering to get a spot, no, it's this is legitimately a true thing. If you're a certain type of player... It's better, like, because even myself, I always kind of thought it was a bit of BS. But as I we talked about episodes and episodes ago, I won't get into it. I've been skating with a semi-pro hockey team, and I have actually been doing better with that team than I have been in my crappy beer league team because now I have better players to play off of. It's very much a real thing that I can actually speak to now, not like just some beer league asshole. I'm still a beer league asshole. I was gonna say we. I don't want to put that on the record. I am still very much just a beer league asshole punching above my weight class. But there is a lot of uh, validity to that. Garrett TV says, Hello, El Hockey Amigos. I recently went to Europe and basically ate myself into a coma every day. Uh, it was amazing, and now I think I need a vacation from eating. What's the most food bingey vacation weekend trip that you've ever had, and how much do you wish you were doing that again right now? Bonus question, what's your favorite style of cuisine? Mine is probably Moroccan Go Wings. Ooh, that's those are tough questions. Ryan, go first. Uh, I did the Momofuku Co. Uh, tasting menu in New York City just like this past March uh, with Mel. Um, cost us a lot of money. Uh, we both love food and we've never done fine dining before and it was like legitimately the most magical, transcendent, like spiritual food experience I've had in my whole life. I always wish I could be doing that right now. Um, in my favorite style of cuisine... <sighs> That's difficult. I'm very easy. I love so many different kinds of foods. Um, I'm Middle Eastern. I grew up in a Middle Eastern household with home-cooked Middle Eastern meals, and I don't think anything will ever beat that for me. Um, if not that, I love Mexican food, honestly. Mexican's good. Mexican's high on my list, but it's not the top. I think I got to go with good Southern barbecue. Yeah. That's just that. That's my jam. French, Italian. Nah, Italian doesn't do it for me. I'm not a big pasta guy. Southern barbecue is a good one. Southern barbecue, Mexican. Love it. Uh, food trips. New York City was was fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a big fan of the food scene in Vegas. Vegas has fantastic food. Vegas is, is like, 
We I've been work. to Vegas a lot of times. I've only been to New York City once. Mm-hmm. I've been to Vegas a bunch of times, so I'm a little biased in my opinion there. But man, I love the food in Vegas. The thing that's great about Vegas is you can get whatever you want. Whatever type of food you like, they have multiple A-plus options for you. We did uh, Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse when we went to Vegas. Oh, man, his um, uh, Beef Wellington is incredible. I did his pub in Caesars, yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah, Tom Colicchio's Craft Steak in MGM in Vegas. Best steak I've ever had in my life. Uh, it was good. Mind you, I did spoil myself that time with a Wagyu. <laughs> Oh, you have to. Yeah. Anytime you have a good wagyu in front of you, you have to. Yeah. If you're if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If you're spending one hundred and fifty dollars on that damn meal, you might as well spend the two. Honestly, which Brad, I will I've do never once. Agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, if and when this whole thing blows up and we become extra famous and this becomes our full time <laughs> jobs, we have to do an annual Red Wings versus Vegas trip down to Vegas even if they're not playing them in Vegas that year <laughs> I wonder if Detroit still is one of the Detroit might be the only team that actually hasn't lost in Vegas yet we're 2-0 there and the first team to ever beat Vegas so and the only team and one of the only teams to never lose a game in Vegas uh, K-Waz says what's up my dudes I totally didn't get that the last one in before you recorded anyways here's what I have for you guys vacation is over and I'm now in ground school for intermediate jet I can tell you that it only gets harder from here on out and I basically have no more free time for a while I'm starting to figure it out though uh, a couple of hockey questions to ask one how do you guys evaluate whether a player or prospect is good or not there are certain things i understand like decision making and positioning but what about other traits um i I wish there was some answer here it's a combination of all of them yeah i i look at hockey iq hockey iq has to be at least slightly above average as a prospect or they will not make it in the nhl you can if you're a middle of the road iq guy with extremely high skills i'm gonna be pretty high on you if your skills are pretty good but your iq's through the roof I'm going to be pretty high on you. But there's no exact weighting or grading system here. You're just taking everything into account. That's why you see guys like Pradman who will actually do a number rating for each skill and then kind of balance it from there, yeah. which is honestly the right approach to take because then you will get a pretty good idea. But that's what you're looking for. And again, for me, if I think a guy's going to be an impact player in the NHL, I have to see at least one elite trait. Yeah, and here's the thing. You don't have to you, you like you listen to every episode and we talk about it a lot. Um, it's it's not guesswork in that we're closing our eyes and picking you know randomly, but it's guesswork in that a lot of it's going to be wrong and that's like industry average. Like you're going to be wrong about a lot of these guys. A lot of them aren't going to pan out. It's like baseball. You hit the ball thirty percent of the time. You're going to the Hall of Fame, and that's it. Um, you don't have to be like a lifetime hockey fan. You don't have to have played for decades and decades to understand it. Certainly helps, obviously. Um, but you just, it's like, just watch. Just watch the game. Watch what makes a player good. Listen to what, find the people who know what they're talking about and listen to what they talk about and then try to look for that yourself. Validate your kind of your own predictions by watching that, like, past footage, footage on future guys, and then go from there. you're never going to feel like you're always right about it and that is kind of where you should be by no means do we feel like we're always right about the guys that we're looking at it's always just our best guess uh secondly what's our gut feeling about cronwall i think he's got to be done at this point i don't man i for his health i hope he's done for the roster jam i hope he's done man yeah if if he comes back someone better be moved that's that's pretty much where i'm at 
Uh, Rowan says, good day, Dud Duds. This post is proudly brought to, you, brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, which makes me wonder, what is the best kind of cheese to keep fresh in your Stay Fresh Cheese Bag? Uh, I'm a big fan of Snowdonia's smoked cheddar. It tastes exactly like bacon. Like, exactly like bacon. It's amazing. Okay, well, you went way more with an, of an elaborate answer than I will. Uh, I'm a fan of Havarti. <laughs> That's as deep as I'm going on this. I'm not a big cheese guy, honestly. Like... Wrong. It, it's just toppings for me on other stuff I eat. Not that I hate cheese, but cheese isn't like something I'm going to, a snack where I'm just going to go cut and eat. That's just, eh, not my thing. Yeah, not mine either. You've eaten an entire block in a sitting, haven't you? Not yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. In lieu of Brad's birthday last week, happy birthday, Nemesis, let's relive some of his finest talkie show moments. Feel free to jump in and elaborate anytime, Brad. One. Reminiscing about the Darren Helm hat trick he witnessed live and how it crushed Leaf fans. That was still a top 10 moment in my life. Two, actually having a good take that the Barber Pole jersey is the greatest. Three, receiving a Barber Pole, Barber Pole jersey live on air. Also a top 10 moment in my life. Four, when he's not talking. Top 10 moment in my life. <laughs> top 10 moment in everybody else's <laughs> life. Ah, uh, memories. Hockey question, though. You can bring in one player from another team basically as a UFA and on a dollar and term deal that is fair to the player and team. Doesn't matter if they're under contract with their current franchise, but the catch is they can't have been a top six draft pick. Ooh. Mark Stone. How, when did he get drafted? Mark. Couldn't have been a top six pick. Can take any player in the league. Uh, Mark Stone was drafted in the sixth round, 178th overall. I pick Mark Stone. And they can be any age. So yep. I, want, I want to think of someone young here because I want to get Max term stone's a good pick but he's late 20s it's 27 yeah i'm trying to think if there's a, a player who's already established himself as a top flight player you can make the argument that mark stone is currently playing like a top three player in the nhl right now he is but my question is how much longer is that going to hold up yeah, a few years because i'm thinking long lines of warensky provorov who are early to mid 20s yeah, that's not bad. I'm, I'm trying to think. Ooh, I think I might have my answer. Dylan Larkin. He would actually be a good one, but he's outside the organization. There's probably someone better, but this is the one that immediately comes to my mind. Contract, current contract, age, production. Mark Shifley. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. And he gets overlooked a lot. Johnny Goudreau would be another good one. Uh, jersey time. Rank these main current jerseys uh, from least worst to most worstest. Ducks, Wild, and Sens. Also, I legitimately forget the Wild exists half the time. Reminder, this post proudly brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. So, uh, stay fresh. <laughs> People are going to Google this and realize it's not a real thing. <laughs> um, wild, Sens, Ducks. In order from least worst to most worstest. Uh, wild, Duck Sens. I really hate those sense jerseys. Just go back to the 2D logo. Just do it already, Ottawa. Just go back to the original jerseys. Don't overthink this. Uh, Joseph Delia says, Sup, my dudes. I'll just leave a quick one. Which UFA signing could end up being the worst? If Kevin Hayes doesn't fit in Philly like he did in Winnipeg, it could be bad. Also, you guys get along pretty well. Anything hockey-related you guys still argue over? Hashtag Team Chaos. Stay rotten, milk carton. That rhymed patent pending. You guys are weird. Um, uh, Kevin Hayes has to be the worst contract. There's no way that ages well. That's an overpay from day one. Yeah. Usually you hope to at least get two or three good years out of a contract before you regret it. That's going to be bad. Kevin Hayes, 
outside tiny, I'm not betting money on this or even saying it's remotely likely chance that Jacob Truba falls off a cliff and that's bone crushing deal. Um, what do we still argue about over with hockey? There's got to be something. You guys would know better than us as to what we argue over. Yeah, we talk about a lot of hockey things. So, oh, no, I know what it is. And it's obvious as hell. What? F you and your stupid offside opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. We have never even come close to no, a consensus on no, that one. No, because I hate spirit Ab- of the game. Abolish offside <laughs> r- reviews forever. <laughs> Oh, something's not working out, so let's just go backwards 40 years. Yes! It's not working! You answered your own (laughs) argument in the first part. It's not working! We made a rule that was reactionary, and what's the best way to fix it? Be more reactionary! Yes! Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Good point. Yep. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) 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 Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't miss you. Uh, Connor Jager says, hey, gents, been doing some uh, much to early research on the 2020 draft class. And and would it be wrong to say that it's shaping up to be one of the deepest drafts of the decade? Also, Patreon episode idea, rank the top 10 deepest draft classes of all time. Good idea. Which we have to do our Patreon exclusive like soon. We do. Uh, Seems to be a great consolation for being a bottom tier team again this year. I, for one, am aiming to jump on the Lucas Raymond train now. Yes, Yes, I have been on the Lucas Raymond train since the Holinka last year. I'm not saying this guy should take out Lafreniere, but he's in the conversation. He's Um, my clear cut number two right now. This year was a good draft because after the top two guys, there's still a lot of premier talent available. The top 10 in this draft is stupid right now. Now, there's a whole season to change this. For sure. But right now, you're looking at, just off the top of my head, Lafreniere, Raymond, Holtz, um, Jamie Drysdale, Marco Rossi, Cole Perfetti. Perfetti might not even go into the mid-teens at this point. Uh, Gunler, but he's got the uh, maybe, maybe some attitude issues. It's a stupid good draft. Especially the top 10 right now. Watch, this is the year that Detroit's going to win the draft lottery and the best player ends up not being first overall. Oh, man. No, it's going to be Lafreniere. here. Um, assuming Evan is there, or at least one of you watched the British Open, what did you guys think? That course looked hard as Firk. Uh, keep up the good work, boys. I was off the grid basically from Thursday to Sunday, so I missed everything. It looked like they were golfing to finish the day on Sunday. Like it was torrential rain, it was horrible wind. I did see the one guy literally running. Yeah. Yeah, I forget who it was, but I literally saw the highlight. He was just uh, running. Fleetwood, to I believe it was. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Was I want to say it was Fitz something. Oh, that could be it. I don't know. Uh, I, I missed it. It was just. I I'm happy highlights. that Lowry won. I always. I like that the Irish guy won in in Ireland. Know, yep, which was cool. Um, yeah, if it's not Tiger, I there's. I know there's a lot else to appreciate about the sport, but I wasn't like glued to the screen. I love the Open. I love the Open Championship, but yeah, looked like a rough day. Very cool that Lowry won. He went like straight to the the pub in Ireland. He, he was like wearing the same clothes and like drinking pints. And do you think he remembers his name right now? No, that's not his job. <laughs> Just won the open. Uh, Sean Stephen Cook says, "Howdy boys, here's a hot take I had this week. The Wings' only chance of making the playoffs this year is Jimmy Howard. We seem to forget he's on the team since he just signed a super friendly one year deal before the end of last season. So no worries there. But the guy has shown that he can be an All Star." My take is that if he stays healthy the entire season, unlikely, the Wings begrudgingly make the playoffs and the rebuild gets extended by another year. Oh, I hate you for putting that thought in my head. So here's where I'm going to ease that thought for you, Ryan. Even if Detroit does improve, let's not forget that this is the division with Toronto, Boston, Tampa, 
Florida just made a lot of moves. Buffalo just made a lot of moves. Montreal just got gifted Cole Caulfield. Probably won't make the team this year. But, yeah, no, it, it's not a matter of Detroit just getting better to make the playoffs. They have to leapfrog these teams, which I don't see happening for a good many years. Uh, Joseph Fournier uh, says, need to swap dead wingers with, with a provincial rival in a flash? Wrap them up in stay fresh cheese bags. Keep your James Neal fresh on arrival for Connor McDavid's wing. Product not guaranteed on Milan Lucic. <laughs> Just read David Staples' article from last week in the Edmonton Journal comparing Tyler Wright and Bob Green. If Bob Green didn't push for Griffin Reinhardt and also if he drafted Sergachev or Kachuk over Pugliarvi, does he keep his job in Edmonton? He left more in the cupboard than the Wings currently have. Uh, I mean, yeah, if anyone was that magical at drafting, then absolutely. We had a whole episode that basically where we our, our thoughts on Tyler Wright's tenure as a Red Wing could be summed up as, meh. Yeah. It's like pretty much run in the mill of what you expect from a uh, someone who runs the draft for a team that's been underperforming. Congratulations, you hit league average. You got really lucky on some picks. You completely blew it on a couple other picks. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, also read Helene St. James's free agency <laughs> review. Take a look at the defense since '97 and add up these departures slash losses. Konstantinov. Uh, Yui Krupp, dog sledding. Darian Hatcher's 15-game tryout before blowing out his knee. I forgot about Darian Hatcher. Uh, Yuri Fisher's sudden tragic retirement. Brian Rafalski's sudden weird reti- retirement. It was his back, right? I believe so. Brad Stewart requesting a West Coast trade for his family. Whatever the hell Koliakovil was. The underdevelopment of Kindle, Marchenko, Smith, and Spruill. What other NHL team has gone through this with their... Oh, you're missing one. Nicholas Litzfram retired. Uh, what other NHL team has gone through this with their blue line and had the success Detroit has had in the last 25 years? Putting things into perspective, it's truly remarkable. Last thing, there hasn't been enough praise to Eiserman for how these two-year contracts seem to set the team up well for the Seattle expansion draft. Can you guys revisit this soon and give us a little check-in regarding expansion rules and who's currently eligible within the system? Yes, the Red Wings don't have seven forwards worth protecting right now. The defense might be an issue. There, yeah, this won't... It's it's hard to map out now. We'll talk about it probably once or twice over the course of the next year, but really only diving deep into it the year thereafter, um, or the summer, this next summer. Legitimately, right now, unless the Red Wings side multiple big-name free agents, they have absolutely no hard decisions to make at forward. Just the way it's shaping up. Veronik Cholosky... The defense might be an issue because Zadine is exempt up front. Valeno's exempt exempt up front. They they might only have to protect four guys comfortably. Sider will be exempt. Yeah, the two guys who are not exempt that are relevant are Chalowski and Hronik, so they will need to be protected. And then every other defenseman who has played in Grand Rapids or Detroit this year is going to have to fight for that last protection slot. Detroit might be in a position to go four four. Honestly, yeah, I think so. Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, uh, Athanasiu, assuming they're all still there, but then you risk losing Rasmussen, but then it might come down to, well, how well does Lindstrom perform? Is Yeah, that's true. I, I think they're in a good spot. I'm, I don't have any mega concerns right now. I still think they'll go the 7-3 and be fine with it because at worst right now you're losing a Lindstrom or a Hicketts, but whatever. Uh, trying to figure out a way to overnight some buffalo mac and cheese to you guys from Fred's in New York City to have on air. Holy hell, is it expensive. We'll figure it out soon. Stay fresh, my friends. That's what I had when I went to the bar that he works at. It's called Fred's Fred's NYC. It's got uh, pictures of dogs all over the walls. Awesome. Buffalo mac and cheese was amazing. If you guys in New York, go visit uh, Joseph over there. Uh, Nick Toyas. Toyas. I freaking always get it wrong. Nick Toyas. Nick Toyas. Nick Toyas. 
Nick, Nick Toyas. Toyota Corolla. Nick Toyas is what I'm going to say. Hey, gents, a couple questions for you to ponder. One, why is Jake Gardner still unsigned? Uh, his neck, his back. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, not finishing that one. Uh, his back, and I genuinely think that if he wants to see what, what happens in Toronto. Uh, is he waiting for the Leafs to do something with Marner or what? Uh, two wire teams giving death players term in their contracts. This can only be a recipe for disaster, or could there be some deep-level chess playing going on here with Seattle about to enter the league? Thanks for pondering and having a good one. Yeah, I mean, Seattle's not going to be keen to pick up those kind of contracts, but... Uh, and teams learn their mistakes with Vegas. There's going to be no... There's going to be a lot less wheeling and dealing. It's going to be more just take your damn player and leave us alone. Yeah. Uh, evening all, I see the fourth Musketeer hasn't released an article for what feels like an age, so if you could just let Max out of the dungeon, that'd be super. <laughs> oh, we forgot to unlock the door for him. Sorry. Yeah, we'll let him out. Um, he's on vacation. The guy deserves it. Uh, I see the Leafs traded Sparks for a fourth in Clarkson. Seems like an odd move for them. They don't have cap space as far as I know for Marner, and I know that uh, that changes once Clarkson is on LTIR, but still feels odd. Just bury Sparks in the Marlies if you want him away, surely. It's the fourth pick that they They did. just basically bought a fourth rounder. Yeah. Uh, in uh, anyways wings question which goalie mask has been your favorite in the uh, past five years for me it's the one Coro had in his last season hope you're having a fun off season is this just Red Wing specific or is this league wide I guess Red Wing specific Uh, one of the Peter Mrazek's Christmas mask yeah that's the one it was Mrazek not Howard right they both had Christmas masks but Mrazek's was very cool yes I remember it well Mrazek's was the one uh, time for some Reddit questions. Tony O says, if you guys fought each other, who's the last man standing? I really think, as much as I hate to say it, Evan would kick the shit out of both of us. He's Dexter. Yeah. We've established this. Yes. Um, Brad has dad strength. I don't stand a chance. <laughs> That's it. Uh, also, what's the ba- best draft pick you think Stevie can fetch at the trade deadline, and who is the for what players? Uh, it, it's It's a... Okay, if we're going absolutely best-case scenario, a strong power play in good health could get a first-round pick out of Mike Green. I don't foresee either of those two things happening, but it's possible. The Red Wings don't have a good deadline trade chip other than Mike Green, so they'll... Maybe Jimmy Howard. Maybe Howard, yeah. So, uh, Obisoft server says, who's your guys' sleeper pick to win the Cup next year? Sleeper. Um... I don't want to pick a team that just did a lot of shit in free agency because that rarely works. Yeah, like you. So you got to pick a team who was lower in the standings last year but might take a step this year. Mm. Carolina sleeper? They made the conference finals, but I wouldn't bet on it. Dallas is a good sleeper. It's hard for a team to get slower and then win the cup, but, you know, St. Louis just won. Dallas didn't really lose anybody, though. They just added. Yeah, it's hard because the the St. Louis just basically blew the window wide open. It seems like everybody's a contender. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some Twitter questions. Colin G says, hi, guys. My brother is moving to Vancouver for a couple of years. Any advice on living there? Bring money. <laughs> uh, as, and an umbrella. Uh, as Americans from the Rocky Mountains uh, West, we know a little of lush coastal Canada. Also, the Gusev rumors have died down a bit. Is a pick slash prospect for him worth it in your opinions? Yes, but he'll just be re-signed by Vegas now with a newfound cap space. In all likelihood. Um, Stupid Toronto ruining our fun. So Canada's big and so different from coast to coast. We're on the east side. Vancouver's on the west coast. Only heard amazing things about it. Living there is expensive but beautiful. Um, if he's big into... I mean, you guys are from 
you know, it seems like the Rocky Mountains, and so you're big into camping and hiking and oceans and everything like that. It's great. Um, housing is going to cost a hell of a lot, and so I'm sorry for your brother in advance. Yeah, I'm happy that your American dollars are worth a lot of our Canadian loonies. Don't go, don't go watching their ball hockey team. They suck. They <laughs> lost to a team from Elmira. <laughs> Uh, Drew Mello says pizza qu- oh god pizza question uh, boy uh, what do you choose mediocre crust and quality toppings or conversely quality crust and mediocre toppings quality crust 100% yeah, the of the time yeah a bad crust ruins a pizza yes oh definitely I like most of the time I get just pepperoni and you can probably qualify that as mediocre toppings yeah I'm not like toppings to me aren't a huge issue I just have like two things two or three things that I absolutely cannot have on it It'll ruin the pizza for me. So anything else, even if it's like my fifth, sixth, and seventh favorite toppings, I'm still going to be thrilled. I've been watching a lot of Bon Appetit. They just did like a Making Perfect Pizza series. They and like they broke down like the perfect crust and then the perfect sauce and the perfect like cheese and then toppings. Here's my: I think crust is legitimately like 35 percent of what makes a good pizza. Sauce, and then cheese soon thereafter. Like. 20 and 20 cheese needs to be higher cheese like a bad cheese ruins a pizza too you can get away with an all right sauce if everything else is good but if the cheese and crust are bad the pizza is awful you can't redeem it toppings are like a 15 percent there's so many things you can do but you need a good crust it's the foundation of your pizza I've, i've started watching a lot of binging with babish and i realized i don't know how to cook at it's, all but that's what I love like I wasn't a phenomenal cook and I still am not but I love watching like Bon Appetit like binging with Babish it's so, it, like they make it accessible I just get hungry and then irritated when I'm unable to make the food after I gotta stop Babish sponsor us I well I mean I know that's not how this works because you also need sponsors but sponsor us we'll teach Brad how to eat food, uh, cook you know how to eat look at you you're 32 years you're 32 years old I know don't remind me what do you have? Like a year? <laughs> Am I in your will? Uh, yeah, you get. Um, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh, when you I get was that chair. When I was sitting in the emergency room, I was messaging these guys and saying that if I died, all of my uh, shares of this podcast go to Mika. <laughs> yes, and you gracefully gifted me and Evan your debt. Did I? Yes. That sounds like me. <laughs> and with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, again, keep your eyes peeled for that meetup de- those meetup details. I'd like to thank our name-level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. We will see you guys next Sunday. Uh, hopefully not too long of a hiatus. Uh, try not to well, I mean don't get too bored in the offseason but I hope too many more of these crazy trades will happen it's kind of thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you'll also find links to other ways to support the show such as Patreon official podcast apparel and more and don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod and of course the hosts at Brad Crisco at Ryan Hanna WWP and at Hockey Town Evan